Hi, I'm Jane Austier, and this is Doing It By The Book. This podcast is going to contain some pretty explicit content. If you're under 18, you'd better stop listening and go ask your parents. Now, hello, my name is Jane Austier, and I am here with the lovely Virginia Shepherd. Hi! And this is episode six, and we're recording on Sunday, June 29th, 2014. That's the correct date, right? Gotta remember I that. I think so. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm good. You're good. Then, we are going to start this episode with some interesting book news that's come up. Um, do you have any follow-up things from the last episode? Um, no, I don't think so. I've been checking. I was really interested in listening to your last discussion with Clara. Yes. She was just so full of... Uh, Yes, she is chock full of information. information Yeah, she is is very great. I I really like Clara. Um, But I'm glad you're here this week also. I am too. Um, Okay, so our first bit of news, let's just jump right into it, is Amazon has just allowed uh, certified fan fiction to be written and published of certain romance Mm -hmm. authors through their um, program called Kindle Worlds. And if you don't know much about Kindle Worlds, it's this um, kind of cool... um, program that they have through Amazon in which they allow, you know, fan fiction writers and self-published authors to write, um, any kind of fan fiction based on any kind of story, on certain kinds of stories that they have with certain people. And Mm -hmm. so far they have, um, Ravenswood, G.I. Joe, all of Kurt Vonnegut's novels, Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars, Vampire Diaries, and they've got a lot of other, um, like... Mm-hmm. fan fiction areas in which people can write for and it is really really interesting so they can you know write stories and then publish them through Amazon and actually sell them and get money yes. off of them and so just this week they launched they got I guess they got the rights to um certain authors um those authors include Barbara Freethy, Bella Andre, H.M. Ward and Lucy Kevin have you heard of any of those I am authors? not. I think H.M. Ward is one that I'm familiar with, but um, it looks, I mean, like, the rest of them, I honestly could be anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody on the romance shelf. Yeah. And I necessarily don't, this is terrible, but I don't necessarily pay attention to authors when I'm reading them unless it's a really, really good book. Then I'm like, who wrote this? Or and I do some research if it's on like them. a big name author mm-hmm. too, like if they sell a lot of books. I mean, Danielle Steele and Nora Roberts are both huge and yes. they sell like a book every six months. Yeah. But that's you mainly because... see a big poster in the Right. And that's also mainly because they have ghostwriters and stuff. So they can pump out, you mm-hmm. know, five books, ten books a year. Yeah. And, you know do that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, well, I'm not getting much on the authors at this time, but if you have information about them, listeners, you should definitely comment yes. and tell us or email us and, and let us know. Um, but it's really cool. I mean, what do you think about the Kindle Worlds program I now think that you know a little bit about it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's probably a good way for people to get started writing. It's probably a good way to get Um, authors recognized as kind of, you know, better writers or, you know, just 
get their stuff out there, um, especially with fan fiction because it's very popular right now. And Clara and I were actually talking about this last episode because she mentioned, because we had talked about the news about the One Direction fan fiction mm-hmm. getting published, yes. um, which was a, you know... So strange to <laughs> so me. So crazy. But, <laughs> um, me. But, you know, even she said, you know, there are authors out there that, and especially even fan fiction mm-hmm. authors, or even not fan fiction authors that are putting out original content. Out really interesting information. And they're not, you And know, they're not getting recognized whatsoever. They're not getting $1.5 million contracts, <laughs> yeah. you know? Honestly, like, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a, a great way to get people recognized. But I think it's probably just a way for Amazon to make buckets of money. That's exactly what I was going to say also because, you know, they're just trying to put their arm in as many places as possible. Because they can, you know? And, I mean, what's selling right now? Twilight is... Twilight was big and now Fifty Shades of Grey is huge and I mean, it's almost a better um, or it's almost a bigger book than Twilight was even. Well, you know, and I was thinking about it actually... Yesterday, I went to Books a Million and, you know, I was walking through their shelves and stuff. They don't have a lot of really big sections of books. I mean, you know, they put out different types of displays for things. I mean, for some, they had a summer reading program thing, which they put out a huge thing for. Mm -hmm. But they've got two aisles worth of romance. They have two huge aisles worth of romance. Yeah. And they are authors that I've, you know, never even heard of. And just to think that... This is where the money is. Oh, yeah. I mean, because even if you don't buy ebooks, you know, you might buy paperbacks or you might whatever. That's where mm-hmm. writing the money is right now. Either oh, yeah. that and I think YA is really where people are buying. Because to be honest, books that are coming out that are like brand new, like the Goldfinch or like the literary nonfiction stuff, mm-hmm. um, that stuff I'm not necessarily going to buy hot off the shelf. I'm going to yeah, wait, wait until it's bit. in paperback, until mm-hmm. it's cheaper. Because yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I want to see how something's going to do. And just because critics say it's awesome mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm going to think it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, no, but I think... I think it's it's really interesting, and um, it, like you were saying, walking through Books a Million, you see these giant aisles of romance, and then you see almost the same space occupied for fiction. Right. So, I mean, fiction can encompass everything, and then romance is, is just as big of a section right now. Right. I think it's, it's a little bit crazy to me. Um... But, but yeah, yeah, that's the way. I mean, that's what it's hot right now. I guess. I guess it is. Um, okay, so there's that, and you know, Amazon mm-hmm. and stuff. We'll just table that whole Amazon yes. conversation for another yes. day. I think. I'm sure we'll come back to it. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, so our next piece of news, which I just found amazing, I absolutely love, 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 love of this article. It's called "Why We Crave Rescue Fantasies," and it's from I found it at least on Dangerous Book of Girl Dangerous Book for Girls But there's another. I think it links back to a different. Um, I may not, may not link back to a different blog. I don't know. Um, but I absolutely love it. And basically what it's saying is, you know, um, 
why do women in society crave reading these novels where a woman woman is rescued or to be taken care of and that kind of thing? And essentially their thesis is, I'm going to take a direct quote um, from the article. Um, when we scoff at rescue fantasies, it sends the message that women should never expect help from men and should live with their threats to their safety. That Prince Charming doesn't exist and men shouldn't overexert themselves in protecting women. That snarky attitude towards rescue fantasies suggests we should just accept the status quo and not try to create a better world. This serves no one. Um, and essentially, like, what it's referring to is all the um, violence against women in, you know, third world countries as well as in America. Mm -hmm. um, and why don't we just want to have men also help out why can't we have men join us in the fight against violence against women that kind of thing yeah and i definitely think that i mean when we're talking about men and women and um like violence we should always want men to kind of come in and and stop violence against women and really just people should stop violence against other people right um but I think that there's something that's being done in recent books where kind of the the domineering man, that like macho kind of man who's in who's the kind of hero of a lot of more modern romance novels is and I'm really kind of specifically talking about Fifty Shades of Grey sure. and Twilight. But that macho, like, kind of overbearing man comes in and saves the day when really he's kind of creating this hostile environment. Right. And, and I think, I, I love what you're saying right there because it's absolutely true. I mean, reading those kinds of characters, it's not that um, Bella and Anna and all these other girls want to be rescued in this sense, they want to find the danger. They want to be put in these dangerous, scary situations. Mm -hmm. And what does that even say about our culture? That's, I mean, there are so many things wrong with that. And, um, just touching on this briefly, I think that if we are going to raise strong, independent women in our country, like we are, we've got, 13, 14, 15-year-old girls who are seeking out books like Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey who are, like, they're trying to figure out who they are and identify with someone. And these are really easy characters to identify with when you're young and you have no, you know, drive or, you know, you haven't figured out who you are yet because these girls have no personality. But if we're going, like, as... as human beings we need to teach people we need to teach girls that this is not necessarily what we want to see in in real life in real life yeah. it's just not it's no not i absolutely agree and i think what this article was specifically talking towards was the um you know the the prince charming the you know the you know guy who he's not necessarily the bad guy but he you know is there to rescue her in mm -hmm. a sense and i think that you're right in a lot of 
contemporary novels like Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight and another book that I'm actually reading right now, mm-hmm. um, they're moving away from that rescue type character and moving into the dangerous and the dark character, yes. the dark brooding characters yes. that say they all they want to do is protect the female character, but in reality, they're not. They're manipulating the situation so that they can get what they want. Yes, and is that you know like the question I think that this raises is what is this message saying to our young girls? Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we, as you know, the, how do we teach the next generation that that's not the the thing that we want to project to our, um, to the world? You know, I mean, it's just from, from what I think Mm -hmm. is that, um, a lot of the time, at least from what I've been seeing and reading, a lot of the time these um, books are fantasies. And as you get older, you can start to realize that they're simply fantasies. And I think going to the novel, Fifty Shades of Grey, especially in this chapter, Anna has a really hard time distinguishing between what is a real-life person and Mm -hmm. what is a fantasy. Um, Because... You know, that's just a huge problem. I mean, you can't just walk around all day thinking, oh, I'm going to find this dark brooding guy and he's going to be perfect and rich and take me away and take me flying and I'll do all this stuff because that's not going to happen. That's not. And there's nothing wrong with the, um, with that kind of rescue, the exactly fantasy, um, where there's someone who comes in and, and saves the damsel in distress. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there is something wrong with sitting around and waiting for a millionaire to show up and... And not taking your and, own life in yes. your hands. Right. Yeah. Because you can't... I mean, you can't just sit around and wait for life to happen. You have to take action right. in order for it to to do it, for anything to happen. Um. I was going to bring in feminist theory into this conversation, but I don't think we need to <laughs> because I think we just made our point pretty clear on that one. I think so too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a really great article. I really encourage you to go look at it, to read it, um, because it does make a very, very excellent point. Um, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Okay. Next up, we're going to start with Fifty Shades News. Yes. Which is... Very excited about that. Very exciting. Um, So the trailer for the movie came out actually in November. And the reason why I wanted to start talking about it this week is because an actress from the movie, who she's playing Kate, Anna's roommate, her name is Eloise Mumford, um, she has been quoted as saying that the movie will be tasteful. The movie will be tasteful. And the cinematographer is Seamus McGarvey. He did, I'm quoting here, he did Anna Karenna, It's Going to Be Beautiful. My problem with that quote is just because someone does a classic novel of a movie doesn't mean that this this romance novel mm-hmm. turned movie is going to be like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, <laughs> there's yes. a difference. There and, is a difference between those two books. I mean, let's not to to downplay the importance of a cinematographer, but the cinematographer from Cool as Ice, the um, what's Vanilla name? Ice, Vanilla Ice, the <laughs> Vanilla Ice movie, did uh, Schindler's List. Yes. Okay. So you know, we could say a lot about cinematographers. <laughs> 
But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make or break the movie. No one can really remember Cool as Ice or really... Say it's an say on, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, on level with Schindler's it's List. It's really not. Oh my god! Um, I'm so a, glad you brought that it's up. It's a very pretty movie. I mean, we can we can say that it's. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it makes it a network exactly. bestseller. And Fifty Shades might be beautiful. We don't know, but um, well, you know, you could look at the trailer to find out more. But, Which we're going to talk about actually. Oh dear lord! Um, but Mumford added this last quote. I want to definitely get in. Is in the end, the story is really a romance and a love story. So it's about that more than anything. And here's where. The media really just, you know, curdles my cheese because I'm going to tell you right now, for the longest time, this movie has been promoted as an erotica and super sexy Mm -hmm. and just all the sex all the time. And right here, we have an actress from the movie who has said it is a romance story. It is mainly about romance and love. I'm sorry, but most erotic novels rarely, very rarely bring in the concept of love Love. and romance Mm -hmm. because erotica has solely to do with sex. It is not about romance. It is not about love. It is about sex. Right. And I mean, granted, you can have those two things Mm -hmm. together, but when you start to bring in the character development, the idea of the romance, the flirting happening, that's when it becomes a romance novel and not an erotica. Romance can have sex, absolutely, but that does not make it erotica. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's all there is to it. Okay. Um, And so then, so going to the trailer now, because the trailer did come out in November. Um, The movie is going to come out Valentine's Day of next year. Uh-huh. Just wanted to oh, let you know that Valentine's Day. I'll mark my calendar. Okay. <laughs> and so the trailer um, is on YouTube. I don't. I honestly don't know if it's been shown at any previous I movies. I doubt. I mean, having seen it, I doubt it has been shown anywhere. Um, well, I mean, if you look at on the, on the YouTube uh, link, it, you'll look at it. That actually the screen is red before the, the trailer actually starts. And usually it's green because it says the rating, but this says it's for mature audiences only. Mm-hmm. So it does give that warning that the it is. trailer is like X-rated. Yes. Um, Which it is. So. By the way. Now that we've both watched the trailer. Oh, God. First thing I want to say, within the first 10 seconds, I think I'm watching a car commercial. Yes. It, <laughs> it is a car commercial for the first... I think more like 30 seconds yeah. of it. Um, there's an... Oh. You see Christian Grey, who is played by Jamie Dornan. Um, Who's much scruffier than I would imagine. Yes, absolutely. Be. And yeah. well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But you see him driving an Audi, and it's very clearly like an Audi. Like, it, it's like a... You, you can, can barely see the actor. You can only see the car. <laughs> the car it's is very what you car-oriented. <laughs> what does that even say about the, what's that say well, about the movie? Know, cars, cars are, you know, sexual power. I don't yeah, know. I guess so. Terrible. I'm not a guy, I guess, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then you see Anna, who is played by Dakota Johnson. And what is she... Can, what is she? She is a blonde. She is a she blonde. She is a blonde. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did we not cover blonde number one and blonde number two and I'm not blonde? Yeah. I can't work for you? Yeah, right. I mean, the whole first chapter, she makes it very obvious 
that Anna is not blonde. She is, you know, self-proclaimed frumpy brunette. Um, and so it's just, it's just strange for me mm-hmm. that you would want to have the actress be blonde just because that is such a huge, and I mean, it is a huge part of the first few chapters so far that we've read. Right. And it is a huge part of the every girl exactly. uh, character that mm-hmm. Anna portrays. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same way with Bella. Bella was an every girl character, you yes. know? And, she, you know, she's somebody that everybody is supposed to be able to relate to and put their shoes on with, you know I mean? Yeah. And so making her blonde, I think it defeats that purpose. Not yes. that blondes are, you know, no, superior to... But there is that, I mean... There is the air of blondes have more fun. There's and, a symbol to it, especially yes. in, especially in art, especially in books and in movies. Oh yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a. I mean, there's a huge that. Uh, why not just have the actress dye her hair? Right. Or uh, simple. She really something. wants that. If she really wants that part. She'll dye her hair. Um, and now I want to go on to the other parts of the trailer because yes, other things happened in the happen in the trailer that are. It's softcore porn. It is softcore porn. Thank it you, is, Virginia. Sorry. It's no, porn. It is. I mean... It is. There are there are lady nipples. There are lots of things that... I think the only thing you don't see is genitals. Uh, yes. I mean, you see a hint of a... Of a, like, lower back. Yes. There is... butt. Yes. There is a lot of... I mean, there... It is explicit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing in several parts where they're naked together or supposed to be, you know, yes, she's loving on like each a other. Collar thing. Leather and like collar a leather. and a leather like like pat like vest thing. It well it's not even a vest. It's like a strap of leather that goes in between her boobs and all the way down mm-hmm. to her stomach and then I think goes around her back and I believe if I was watching it correctly. Her hands are tied behind her. I'm not sure exactly. But and it's an interesting thing to note. And I, I'm interested to see when the, the second trailer will come out. Because I know that the second trailer has to come out now that the movie is set has a set date. Mm-hmm. And a new trailer will come out that has a better I think a, a better trailer. You know, this was yes, like a pre-made trailer. Yes, more about the, the, story. the story rather than just sex. Because that's images. all Yes. Yeah. Um, but I hope that we'll see a little bit more of that. But as we go through the book and we get to the sex scenes, which I believe happened after the hundredth page, um, which is true of any romance novel, yes. not erotica, yes, which is pretty significant and pretty traditional for most romance novels. Yeah. Um, we'll see that, uh, the sex in it, there's only one real hardcore, like, I'm gonna put quotes around this BDSM because it's, it's it's not it's not in a sense because and we'll talk about this as we get to the sex part but mm-hmm. um, I think the sex is is kind of blown out of proportion with this book and it yeah. could be that the movie and I'm just saying this could be this is just speculation here but it could be that the movie will actually uh, play on the the hype of the movie yes. instead of the actual events in the movie. I I think from what I've seen of the trailer, I think that's where they're going. I think they're playing more on the BDSM 
Um, and what they've heard about what the they've heard, book. yes, and what not really so much what is written, but more like this is kind of the air surrounding Fifty Shades of Grey. So let's let's take a lot of that rather than the actual book. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this just proves that any movie made mm-hmm. out of a book will be worse than the book. Oh, yeah. And Fifty Shades of Grey is already pretty bad. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I might I might say that not having to listen to Anna's inner monologue might make the movie a better experience. It, it might. Book. You never know. We never know until we, we watch it. We will have to watch it. We'll get back to you when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do some kind of review episode. Yes. Yeah. I would love to. Uh, hopefully we'll get Claire on and, and on that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be um, great. Okay, so moving right along into the actual book itself. This mm-hmm. chapter was chapter three. And before I read the chapter, I asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Mainly, what was going to happen at this photo shoot that was imminent, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was secretly hoping that Anna was going to um, just walk away and just forget about her life and we wouldn't have to worry about all this crap. Yeah. But... But... No. No luck. Nope. nope. That's not what happened. Okay, so... Would you, where do you want to start? Okay. Where do you want to start, Virginia? Well, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. So when, um, when Anna calls Kate from the, from the, I guess, closet of the hardware store. <laughs> yeah, warehouse they have or whatever. this long conversation about the photo shoot. And, um... Kate is very confused as to why she, why Christian was there at the hardware store, um, which is understandable because he doesn't live in the area. Um, and so Anna, who is just totally, I don't know if she's oblivious to the fact or what, is just like, well, he wasn't here to see me. He was here for the, hoard- what, what department is he funding? Uh, um, oh God, you know, does it really matter? No, it really doesn't. He's, he's donating money to some science division of the college. Right. And then Kate has this sudden realization, oh yes, he's donating 2.5 million grand to this department. And I stopped. And I listened to it a few times because I wanted to make sure that maybe, like, you didn't misspeak. But I believe it says 2.5 million grand. 2.5 million grand. Which... Now, now, in her defense, I might have misread. But... Also, in my defense, it might actually it say might that. Actually I don't have a book with me 2. today. 2.5 million grand. Now, if that is the case... We are going to take 2.5 million and multiply it by 1,000, which is a grand. So it would really be 2.5 billion dollars. <laughs> but that's the way you but would say that. The way that I heard it was 2.5 million grand, which. <sighs> that's, I mean. Here's what I will say. That's a great starting point. <laughs> um, about halfway through this book, I was like, wait a minute. Let me just check something because you know how authors, um, you know how they 
you know, thank people. They yes. do dedication or acknowledgments yes. or whatever. And they thank all these people. Mm-hmm. And they thank all their friends and their family. And sometimes they think, thank an editor. Well, E.L. James does not do that. She does not thank her editor. And I don't know if that's because her editor didn't do their job or if her editor does not exist. Because it's nowhere it's so in, bad. in the acknowledgments does she say thank you to my no. editor or thank you to this person who might be an editor. But no, it's mostly her family that she thanks. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. that. There's I feel that. like when reading this or when listening, because I'm listening to it, um, but when I'm listening to it, I... I hear all of these, like, big, fancy words. Yes, you do. And I feel like it's just... It's not there for any reason. I think no. it's there just so E.L. James can say, Hey, everybody, look at my vocabulary. Well, and a lot of the big words that you hear are redundant. She'll exactly. say yes. a different word two or three times in two different ways. And they all, like... She's using just these giant... It's like she took a thesaurus and she just opened it up randomly to a page and was like, oh, I need to use good? Okay, I'll use this word instead. And she just vomits out the thesaurus over again. And that's what makes this this book so long and It's so, so redundant. Oh my god, it really There's is. There are so many... I feel like the chapters could be... I mean, we could be into chapter, like, five or six right now with the story if we took out all that extra crap, the just mm-hmm. layer of language. It's And unnecessary terrible. exposition. And oh, my totally God. Totally unnecessary conversations and exposition. And I'm sorry, how many people are in love with her? Okay. I'm, it's so annoying. Here's... I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is something that you'll see... This is something that we see in Fifty Shades, and this is something that we see in Twilight. And this is, again, the huge connection that it holds with Twilight, because when Bella first arrives at the high school in Forks, um, she has, you know, two or three, two, I think it's two guys in a specific group, and even all the girls want to be friends with her and be with her. Which is so weird. And she is constantly just, oh, I'm not that great. You know, I can't believe these people like me and all this kind of stuff. Anna does the same thing. Anna does the same thing. Yeah. She even says, like, when she's talking about, um, when she's talking about this, this guy, Paul, who works at the warehouse or the hardware store and he Mm -hmm. asks her out. Um, she says, I, of course I can't go out with him. Paul is the guy next door, quote unquote. Yeah. He's no literary hero. Is he, is Gray a literary hero? Which, I mean, again, this is what we were talking about earlier. The distinction between fantasy and real life. Okay. Yes. This guy, Christian Gray has come into your life. He is super rich, super handsome. And he's mysterious. Yeah. You're, it's, it's weird blurring of the lines here because it's almost as if we as the reader are intended to make this book a farce. Because, I mean, think about it. What real character yeah. is going to think, is Grey the main character, the, the male main her, character of this book, a literary hero? Her inner monologue is the most ridiculous thing yes, I've ever heard. Because one, she's either way too formal 
And I'm sorry, when I'm thinking things to myself, I just, you know, thoughts just float through my head and then they're gone and they're in my voice. The voice that I would speak in, the voice that, you know, if that's what you want for your book, you would want your, you would want the language that your character has in her speaking voice to be the same as her inner monologue and all of that to kind of be the same. But it's so different. Her yeah. inner monologue is so formal. It's so... And then there are times when it's, it's not. Off. And then yes. there are times when it's not formal. She goes, holy crap, or holy shit, or... Right? Damn. You know, like, it's just like, so strange. Even, you have to make it consistent. Right. It's completely it's inconsistent. It's so inconsistent. The most um, inconsistent. <sighs> the other thing that I wanted to mention is that when Anna refers to Kate in this chapter, at least three times she's referred to as domineering, bossy, and tough. Yes. And... And it makes me think, why are Anna and Kate friends? Because yeah. Anna, right, she gets on Kate's case like all the time for being bossy and tough and domineering and mm-hmm. this confident woman. And then she's like, but we're best friends, so it's cool. Like, um, And then she says, she doesn't take any crap. I'm in awe of her. So does that mean, Anna, that you take crap? Because I don't understand. Because, I mean, yeah. she's... She makes herself out to be, like, when she when she's in her inner monologue, like we're saying, mm-hmm. there are times when you think, okay, here's a strong, confident girl, and then the next sentence, it's like, okay, here's this really insecure person. Yes. It's just so inconsistent. And then, um, then when she refers to Kate again, she paints this picture of her being an upper middle class Oh, girl. yeah, that was just... And What's the, and it's so strange for her to say that mm-hmm. because what's the contrast? And, and Anna didn't she, grow up in the slums. Yeah, and like talking about how she went to private schools and she was raised with money and she, ha- you know, and she's sure of herself and knows where she's supposed to go. But Anna doesn't seem doesn't have a messed up life either. No, I mean she went to a state school just like Kate, and they're going to you know, move in mm-hmm. together and they're both going to find jobs. Like they're not, they're not like, they're, it's not two different worlds. It's no. not, you know, There's, not. yeah. And so it just, it's, it's a little strange and it doesn't, it's supposed to, I feel like make her look, make Anna look sympathetic. Instead, it just makes her look like a dumbass and an asshole yeah. all at once. Your, yeah. Your main character should be, I mean, it, she should relate somehow to the people around her because right now it's it's almost as if she's just internally judging everyone. Right. And it's so yes. bad. It's, it's just really bad. so bad. Um, okay, moving right along chronologically yes. through the chapter. After the photo shoot, this photo shoot happens, and Gray meets Jose, and they have this tense moment. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this older guy who is the CEO of a company, yeah, has a stare down with a smack out of college, you know, minimum wage photographer, yeah, and they have a stare down over Anna, yeah. I'm sorry. That's stupid. Number one. My second thing is Anna's initial reaction when Gray wants to talk to her. She says, Oh no, am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? (laughs) Oh my God. What the hell? What the hell? I mean, okay. It's not like he's her boss. Right. 
if your boss calls you into into her office or his office and like can I see you please that's that's a time to say oh what did I did I do something wrong what right. did I do <laughs> oh but God. no not when an, an adult who you're just spending time with and he happens to be at this like she really had no reason to be there, which was kind Other of... Other than her being the contact yes. between Kate and, and him. Yeah, and so, like, she literally just stood there. So why in the world would she think she did something wrong? Well, and, you know, and I, it makes me think, like, to... Obviously, you know, what we are, as the reader, are supposed to find out later in the book, you know... You know, Gray is obviously the, the dom. He's the mm-hmm. domineer, and she's the submissive, and without even anything happening, like, they're, he's just asking to go talk to her, she's already slipping slipping into a submissive behavior. And I want you to remember this, because later on in the book, she questions herself, can I be a submissive? Can this really work? Can this relationship really happen? That but we can already see that. <laughs> it's going to work, Anna, yeah. because you're, I'm sorry, you you're are already submitti- submitting to him. Yes. <laughs> like, just by the fact that well, it's just, ugh. And just to kind of step out of the world of Fifty Shades of Grey and just kind of look at the let's say, sexual kinks that are out there. Mm -hmm. Usually, and this is just from my random weird knowledge base that I have, um, usually people who are in high positions of authority do not want to be the dominant person in a relationship. They usually have some sort of escape, um in the opposite direction. So, like, they would want to be the ones tied up or they would want to be the submissive in the relationship. So, because they're always in charge, they would want that... Reversal. Yes. And just because they're always in charge in their work life, they would want to not be in charge or have have that release. Yes. So the fact just in a like sexual standpoint, looking at this book that gray is this is the dominant one and he wants someone who is going to be his submissive is a little bit strange to me it's psychopathic because why would he want to always be in control right you need a break from your a release your job well and it's just it makes it makes the whole situation that much creepier and that brings me into my one of my next points is that um Kate seems to be the only logical voice of reason here, you know, when finally she says something to Anna, I don't trust him, especially someone like you, an innocent like you. And if you think about this, these words are repeated in so many other romance novels. Uh, Reading Twilight, these words are repeated. Mm -hmm. Reading this book um, that I'm reading now, which I'm going to mention later in the show, these words are repeated. He's dangerous. You know, you you can't be with him. And again, back to what we were talking about, the characters like Anna don't want safe. They don't want the rescuer to come. They want to fall into the danger. And what makes this book so broken is that even when the, you know, the dark, dangerous character turns out to be good in the end. Mm -hmm. In this book, you don't necessarily see that. You don't see the dark, dangerous character getting better. You see him getting worse. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why there are three books. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's so... I mean, the the fact that this is so wildly popular, I'm trying to... I'm trying to grasp it. I'm really trying... I've been doing some research about this to try and grasp why it's so wildly popular. But I can't figure it out. And it's so unhealthy. It's... Yeah. It's so incredibly unhealthy that this is what... You know, we're showing as romance and love because this is not romance and this is not love. This is just weird, sick, one-sided relationship. And the more that we talk about this, the more I have to think that people who bought this book didn't read the whole thing. They didn't read all 500 pages of it. They probably they skipped, skipped to, the, to sex. the sex scenes and they reread the sex scenes because it's steamy and different. Yes. And, and not what your average romance That's, was. I mean, like, just listening to the conversation between Anna and Gray in this chapter <sighs> is just so laughable. They're, it's it's so, not even a conversation. Right. The fact that they're calling it a conversation and this is their moment of like this right is and their him asking her is jose your boyfriend is that guy paul your boyfriend like it's just so ridiculous and it's obviously yeah. like intended to be this is when i realized that in this chapter is when i realized that this book was meant to be twilight porn like it it is that's when i realized yes it. because it's there's no there's no reason for any of the conversation like there is no conversation the I mean, getting into the the coffee date, it's, there's just, there is nothing. Right. There is no context for anything. They're talking circles around each other. Well, and then, like, you know, uh, Gray has gone to this whole extent to get her to have coffee with him. And then at the end, he's like, well, you should stay away from me. You can't, like, you know. like Yeah, he, What? It, it's so strange. It is the, the whole everything that I have read or have listened to is just so weird. I can't even grasp why. And and then just I mean, it just doesn't. I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any sense. I just don't understand it. It's it was it's Twilight. It's X-rated Twilight. That's what That's it is. Exactly. And I think what was so popular about the, the fan fiction when it was online mm-hmm. was that. You had something interesting. They were vampires, and yes. they were running from other vampires. In this, it's two people wanting to enter a sex contract. I mean, that's it. I'm sorry, but for a person who is pretty open about sex, this is kind of it's kind of a boring. Yeah, and you can write that in 300 pages. You don't have to write it in 300 pages. You can write it in 200 pages. You do not need 500 pages to write about two people wanting to enter a relationship with a contract. Yes. And and maybe that's I mean maybe that's where I lose this book because I am very open about sex. I can have conversations with my friends, I can have conversations with my husband, you know, no worries. Everybody can talk about sex. We're adults. And I guess there is this kind of mindset around women in certain areas and certain kinds of people. Um, that just, they can't, they feel like they can't talk about it because it's so private and personal and you can't, oh gosh, can't talk about sex. So this is kind of that outlet. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe it's also that there's never been anything so, you know, 
open about sex before about just a regular relationship. Yeah. Maybe. And then maybe that's where we as a society need to start, you know, opening up because what it really comes down to is when we don't, when we don't open up about sex, we make it this taboo subject so that when someone does have serious questions, Oh, we, we got to talk, talk about it in hushed tones. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. come right out and say it. Well, and I was raised, like, my mom had a book, and she was like, this is sex, and she showed me pictures from this book, and she was like, this is, I mean, this is what it is, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it, and this is, you know... This is what people do. This is what people do. This is how, I mean, you got to be careful because there are sexually transmitted diseases and there's all kinds of stuff that can, you know, go wrong, but there's nothing wrong with it. You need, you know, as long as you are safe and protected, then everything will be fine. And, you know, my family just had that kind of attitude about sex. And I was actually in, I was in a a doctor's office and... Uh, the view was playing. I did not intentionally seek out the view, but when it's on, I enjoy it. Right. Um, and this blonde woman, I don't know her name, um, the blonde white girl. The younger who's one? Like, yeah. She's, yeah. She's like a new mom and she's okay. super protective about everything. So I guess she has this like 11 year old and she has like a young a young child. And so the 11 year old asked about sex and she was like, Oh, sex is foot rubs and just moves on. Like doesn't address it whatsoever. And then she saw him looking up foot rubs on her iPad. And then she's like, Oh crap, I've got to address this. Duh. (laughs) And so now this poor child has this idea that sex like is is bad and wrong because mom couldn't talk about it and all we really need to do is just talk about it there's nothing wrong with it right and yeah and i think that i think that you're absolutely right i think that just being open and not lying to your kids number one I think it would be everyone would have a better idea and i feeling about sex rather than just being adverse to it. Yes. Okay, we have to wrap this up. Unfortunately, oh, yes. um we're running we're running close on time. But we've got new books coming out. Um these are all uh out I think last week um and then I got one on paperback that's out. So the first one that's coming out is called The Book of Life by Deborah Harkness, and this is the third in the All Souls trilogy. The first two were Discovery of Witches and Shadow of Night, and I originally um, heard about this book back, way back, um, when the first book came out, and originally at my, my nail stylist talked about it, and he said that, you know, as I was talking about reading, um, not Fifty Shades, but I was reading Sookie Stackhouse novels. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you like Sookie, if you like True Blood, you need to read this series, this book. It's called Discovery of Witches. It's so good, and there's a whole bunch of stuff involved in it. Um, obviously, there are witches, but there are also vampires, and there's a lot of mystery going on. Mm-hmm. It's in, in modern day, but then in one of the books, the main character goes back in time and has to oh. change the future. So there's a lot of stuff going on. It sounds really awesome, and I think that one of these days I'm going to have to binge read the whole trilogy. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I've got a lot on my plate, but it definitely sounds really, it's, really good. It sounds very good. And I do know that E.L. James and Deb Harkness are like Twitter but BFFs because um, they were hanging out this week. 
Um, so if you're, you know, E.L. James fan, not that she's written any other books other than the Fifty Shades trilogy, definitely check that out. Um, the other book is A Perfect Life by Danielle Steele, one of her many that have come out this year, obviously. Yes. And it's an iTunes beach read. Um, they promote it as one of their beach books. Um, so I'm assuming it's, you know, mm-hmm. good for the beach and vacation. If that's something you're going to do next month. Um, and then two that I'm really, 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 really excited about. The Fever by Megan Abbott. Abbott. And I just told Virginia about this. It's um, yes. kind of like a modern day crucible. Um, if you've never read The Crucible or seen The Crucible, so um, it's about these girls that pretend that they're being... Uh, they're witches. They're witches, right? And they go to court and all this kind of stuff. Well, in in The Fever, Megan Abbott writes about this group of girls, and I think it's, I think it's based on a true story, actually. Oh, wow. These girls who pretend like they have this um, crazy psychotic disease... Or they actually do, and there's this whole backlash about it in the community, and um, it's really, really, really good. It looks really awesome. I personally love Megan Abbott. She's written, I think she's written a couple YA, and some, like, mid-twenties, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, She's, she's, you know. Very interesting Um, She's She's got some really interesting stuff. Yeah, she, I actually really, really like her. And the last one, I just saw it at Books A Million. It's, it was published last year, but it's out in paperback. It's called Archetype by M.D. Waters. And the, um, the blurb on the back says, In a future where women are a rare commodity, Emma fights for freedom but is held captive by the love of two men, one her husband, the other her worst enemy. If only she could remember which is which. Um, if you liked The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, uh, this is going to be your book because it's set in a future dystopian where women are kind of like this, you know, uh, com- they're a commodity. They're not even people. really interesting. It's, it looks so cool. That's so really interesting. I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, so those are the new books for this week. Um, I'm going to, I've talked a lot, so I'm going to let you do your okay. recommendations first. Um, well, I have recently been rereading Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen, and rereading it is so, it's, it's a wonderful experience. If you haven't read it, you definitely need to read it. If you, it's been a while since you've read it, you need to reread it because it's such a funny book. It's kind of different from all of her other books because it's, it's a bit of a satire of like the, the classic like romantic book. Um, and it kind of plays on some of her books. It, it jokingly portrays that, that hero type character and he's just this total douchebag. I mean, for lack of a better word, he's, he's just awful. And so her main character the entire time is kind of like, what's, why is, why are we doing this? Right. It's just, it's so funny. Um, and totally different from her usual stuff. So definitely check that out. And another one that I read a few years ago and I just came across it again. Um, The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Neffenegger. It's a very <laughs> it's a strange, horrible, horrible. very strange last name. Neffenegger. Neffenegger. <laughs> She's got a crazy last name. I have no idea. But The Time Traveler's Wife is a really interesting... um, It's a really interesting book. It's about a 
guy who is a time tra- a time traveler, and he kind of goes back um, in time and goes forward in time. Uh, randomly. Randomly, right. but it all surrounds, like, his his wife. So the person that he knows he's eventually going to marry is... It's all based around her timeline. So it's very interesting. I personally... I like it as as a woman, as a, woman, as a girl reading a book. I like it. It's very enjoyable. Thinking about the story and thinking about... Um, the writing from a from a literary standpoint it's not the best book but it's a very interesting story i think it's a little too predeterminism for me um but you know if you like if you just want to have an enjoyable read it's it's really interesting and it's very Sweet. It's a very sweet book. That was a big word there, Virginia. Predeterminism. Predeterminism. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically the entire time he's like, well, it's already happened, so I can't change it. Right. Okay. So it's a little depressing in that aspect. Like, It'll make you cry, for it sure. It will. It will. But, like, there's he doesn't try and change anything in his timeline because he knows there's no point in trying to change it because no matter what he does, it's going to happen gonna anyway. It's going to happen, right. So that part is a bit depressing and a little bit Sad. annoying yeah. but still a good it's still a very a good, good summer book. read it's a good book um my two recommendations i have one great recommendation and one that's kind of a review um my first recommendation i just mentioned it the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood it's amazing and i know that it's on a couple of high school reading lists for like ap and stuff um, I but I will say trigger warnings for rape. I mean, kind of ish. Um, the main character it follows a main character who is a woman who, um, has been essentially, um, being used for her female organs, um, by the rich and powerful in society. And all women are essentially just being used as, um, baby makers And she kind of, you know, has to navigate through this, you know, men's world with her um, knowledge of what's going on and, um, you know, who she can trust, that kind of thing. It's so good. It's so well written. I absolutely love Margaret Atwood. Um, She's got to be one of my favorite authors um, out there right now. Um, And... It's a great book. I will say that there's some curse words in it, um, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you just, it, you gotta read it. You really got to. You mm-hmm. really got to. Um, and my second book, um, I've been referencing it all show, it's called Hush Hush by Becca Fitzpatrick. And um, what I'm gonna say about this book is that if you liked Twilight, if you liked Fifty Shades of Grey, you will like this book. Okay. Um, if you did not like Fifty Shades of Grey, if you did not like Twilight, if the characters in the books really, really pissed you off, um, if the outcome of the book really pissed you off, you're probably not going to like this book. You might rage quit it in the middle. Um, it's about a girl who's in high school and she, uh, comes across a mysterious brooding guy in her biology class one day. Um, but the more she finds out about him, the more she's drawn to him because he's dangerous and mysterious and brooding. Oh, yes. Um, 
The cover is kind of tells you what's going on. Uh, it's a picture of a guy with wings with his hands up to the sky and he's falling from the sky. Um, so, I mean, you can kind of imagine what this dangerous guy is. <laughs> Fallen angel. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm just going to let that sit. Um, yeah, if you, yeah. you want to find out more about the book, I'd recommend looking it up online before buying it or buying it secondhand because um, I'm not too happy about it right now. Yeah. Just not. Um, I'm reading it for academic awful. purposes, but <laughs> but it kind of, it's kind of... Um, the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's right in that same vein, though. I mean, if you're if you're in love with Twilight, if you can't get enough of it, go for it. Um, it's going to be right up your alley. That's really all I got to say. Yep. Um, so I've been Jane. I am Virginia. And this has been the sixth episode of doing it by the book. You can find me all over the place. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, um, Tumblr, all over the podcast universe. And Virginia is not. I'm not on anything. Um, So email Jane. Yes. Email me and I'll make sure it gets to Virginia um, because she does email. I do know that. I do email. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So that's been the show. It was great having you. Thank you so much. All right. And bye-bye. Bye. Doing It By The Book is written and produced by Jane Austere. Original music is composed and performed by Daniel Lott. For more information, check out DLO Games on YouTube. DIBTB is a scholarly pursuit of literary criticism in romance novels. At its core, the podcast is purely educational and academic. I do not take ownership of the chapters or books read on the podcast, and they are completely the product of the author. Neither I nor any of the guest hosts receive any monetary compensation, accept donations, or seek profit for our work or performance on this podcast. If you would like to hear more from DIBTB, you can follow me on Twitter at Jane Austere, email me at DIBTBpodcast at gmail.com, or check out my website, DIBTBpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you.